All right, welcome back, everybody. Episode 5 of Kicking It with Breezy and Don C. here with Danny Belsito, finally sitting across from me again, not on the phone this time. And we wanted to give a quick shout-out as well to Alex Leondis. He was the one who cooked up the very spicy beat that was in our intro. Shout-out to him, senior in high school from Boca Raton, Florida. He's doing really big things, and we really appreciate him giving this beat. Danny, first off, how was your break? How do you feel to be back at school? It was good. Uh, break was great. It was good to have some rest time, uh, let the body recover from a pretty intense match-filled fall. Um, break was good, too. Uh, for those that don't know, I changed my diet. I'm now a vegan. And no, it's not because I watch Game Changers. I did not even watch that movie, so don't come to me with that. Um, but it's been good. I've been growing a lot. Uh, the podcast, I've been I've been waiting to get back, so I'm, I'm happy to be back at school. Not happy with the workload that's been thrown on me the first couple days back, but... Uh, it's all in the day's work, all part of the job. So good to be back. Good to be sitting across from you and not sitting across the phone. So the phone was, here we are. We can only do the phone for so long. No. It was but, cool. I mean, the quality oh, was still sure. good. We had some great conversations. Um, but it's better to be back here doing this uh, damn thing together. You're right. Well, let's get into it. First topic, we have to talk about the divisional round and the NFL playoffs. Honesty is the best policy. I did not watch two of the three games, two of the four games, excuse me, I was actually working on Saturday. We had an ESPN3 broadcast uh, for the UVA-wise Wingate games. I got to do that. Uh, I was analyst with Sam Hyman, my buddy, so that was really fun. But anyways, 49ers, 27-10 over Minnesota. Tevin Coleman had a breakout game. 22 carries, 105 yards, and two touchdowns. So 49ers will advance. And then the nightcap game, which I will admit I wasn't feeling too great. I fell asleep during this game. I wish I would have stayed up because the Tennessee Titans – I don't know that anyone would have guessed this, are in the AFC Championship, Danny, beating Baltimore on the road, 28-12. to Pretty much just, I mean, the stats show for Lamar Jackson that he had a great game statistically, but they could not do anything. I watched their first drive, he threw that pick, and right then you kind of felt like, okay, maybe Tennessee has a little bit of life, and then for Ryan Tannehill, you know, Ryan Tannehill to do what he's done for the uh, Titans is just insane and of course we got to mention king henry we know that in the postgame presser you know making fun of mark love Ingram. it love it love it big trust king henry in the flesh 30 carries 195 yards your takeaways from those saturday games first of all let me just say derrick henry like I-, I am a victim of the same mistake that so many people made like they saw this guy in college and you saw him running over people and then they flip back to high school highlights of him the exact same size running over people. And then you see his speed in the open field and you see the strength that he's put on. I don't understand why more people didn't see this coming. Like, he was not a big storyline at the beginning of this season. It wasn't like people talking about, oh my gosh, Derrick Henry's going to be the rushing king this year. I mean, there were so many other guys you thought. Zeke Elliott, Saquon, McCaffrey, like so many top guys. He was not in that conversation and he proved that he should be. Because right now, he's proving what a lot of people know about the playoffs is if you have a good, solid running game to balance that offense, you keep the ball in your hands, it's a powerful thing. And like you said, yeah, I mean, the stats look great for Lamar, but he was he was playing catch-up the whole game. Yeah. The whole game. I mean, Derrick Henry came out. I mean, the guy ran the ball 30 times and averaged over six yards a carry. That's demoralizing for a defense. And how funny was it that the Ravens defense was talking about the Patriots, though they didn't want to tackle <laughs> Derrick Henry. Well, neither did you. No, because nobody can tackle specifically that man. Earl Thomas. Specifically, the, yeah, the beef on but, Twitter. But let's see, like, let's see who can really stop that man. 
But yeah, I mean, that was an absolutely unbelievable thing. But I also did realize, you know, I, I didn't even think about this until I saw Nick Wright talk about it on First Things First is that, you know, a lot of people are going to point to the resting guys at the end of the year. And I do always point, whether it be in my sport or other sports, to that buy idea that it's an advantage. Right. I've always thought the buy is a disadvantage. Another team gets time to play in, get all the kinks out, figure out what's, what's working and what isn't, and they don't get that luxury. Right. And I think it wasn't only that. Nick Wright mentioned it wasn't just that in week 17. They didn't play a real team since week 14. So over yeah. a month without playing a real <clears throat> competitive game, I mean, it's hard to just flip that switch. And clearly Lamar now in his first two couple of playoff games like has struggled. But... It's similar to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was a regular season legend, and then in the playoffs seemed to come up short. Nobody really talks about Peyton Manning being a bust or anything like that, so I'm not ready to hop off this train quite yet like a lot of people are, but, man, I was very surprised that the Titans came out that way. Um, And in the other game, I mean, like you said, Tevin Coleman, he seems to show up in the playoffs. He's a big, burly, experienced back. He shows up in the playoffs, and and the Niners are scary, man. I I looked at the stats for that game, just a quick glance over. They are scary. They gave up like 170 <laughs> yards. They're they're legit. Are you kidding? They're me? legit. And to I a, to yeah. a team that out played the Saints, who was your pick to make the Super Bowl from the AFC, not yes. to shoot you down because my yeah. team also lost. But the, to watch a team outplay the Saints in New Orleans, it was, and it, then all of a sudden get absolutely shut out. Man, that defense in San Fran is a problem. If I'm not mistaken, Jimmy G only threw the ball 14 times. It was something really like 14, ridiculous. 15 times. Yeah, didn't have when to do you think anything. They it. ran the ball 40 plus times. Yeah. Look at the Titans. Th- those are two teams who have figured out the way. Have a defense that can get stops, hold teams to field goals, and run them into the ground. And both of those teams did that the exact same way, and we'll be seeing both of them in the championship games. Fast forward to Sunday. The Chiefs in Houston kicked off, and Danny, I have never felt so smart about a quarter and a half in. If y'all remember last time, on our last episode when we previewed these games and we previewed our sleeper teams, I had just a feeling about Houston. That was before they ended up coming back against Buffalo, had a great showing at home. I loved how J.J. Watt came back, and he's the heart and soul of Houston right now. Started out 24-0, and I'm like, okay, what a <laughs> sleeper pick. team is going to the AFC Championship game, winning on the road in Kansas City. I got way too ahead of myself. The Chiefs then outscored them 51-7, to and Mahomes had his – Classic, 325 touchdowns. I mean, you can't say much else. Now, I do want to give a quick credit to McCole Hardman. He is the reason the Chiefs got back in that game. He brought a kickoff back close to, I believe, the 40 or 30-yard line of Houston. And from then on, his celebration, crowd was into an arrowhead, so you could really feel the momentum. And then the Chiefs took over, and Bill Bryan was highly, highly criticized after the game for not going on that fourth down in the second quarter, which – who knows? The way the game was going, that game trend, Houston could have literally gone up 28 nothing. At that point, the air is out of the building. But, well, we saw what happened. Then, the nightcap, Packers ended up beating the Seahawks 31-23. I love how Marshawn Lynch had, like, uh, I don't know the stats exactly, like 14 carries, 25 yards, and two touchdowns. It was funny. They're like, oh, yeah, the Seahawks gave the ball to him at the one-yard line. You know, haha, funny joke. But now, the Packers going to the NFC Championship game to San Francisco. That's going to be the 640 kickoff, but before that, the Titans will play in Kansas City at 305. Danny, quickly, your predictions for those two games. Well, I just want to bring up real quick, before I make the prediction, Okay. when looking at that Chiefs game, I think a lot of people are just 
absolutely appreciating what happened, the 51-7. to But what's funny is a lot of people are talking about, you know, one of the biggest playoff comebacks since that Brady over the Falcons comeback in the Super Bowl, that 28-3, to and all those Patriots fans who always love to feel themselves, Brady's the GOAT, Brady's this, he's still the best, he always will be. That was against the Falcons. Oh, jeez. With a quarterback who... <laughs> I don't know. I don't listen to every podcast. I don't listen to every morning show. But I've never heard somebody use the term, he's Michael Jordan-esque when they're talking about Matt Ryan. No. Nobody does that. So when Patrick Mahomes, who a lot of people still, in my opinion, still sometimes underestimate in terms of what he can do in the playoffs because you haven't really fully seen it yet, he just did that. Put up 51 to 7 on a quarterback that people were one week ago saying was Michael Jordan of football. Yeah. That's what they just did. 24 to 0. You give Deshaun Watson a 24 to 0 cushion, you think the game is over. For sure, you think the game is over. All of a sudden, the Chiefs' offense looked like they switched the sliders on Madden down to fully easy on defense and just, ro- I mean, absolutely rolled these guys, rolled them. And I think that is a scary, scary sight against a team in Tennessee who loves to just run the ball past you and expect to keep the ball, keep possession for 60% of the game and take you out of your rhythm. And right now, it doesn't seem like anything can take the Chiefs out of their rhythm, not even a 24-0 lead. So fast forward back to what you asked, the prediction. My prediction is Derrick Henry has another big game. I, I really just don't see anybody shutting him down, but I don't see anybody shutting down that Kansas City offense. Yeah, I feel very similar to that offense like I do about the LSU offense, which I'm sure we'll get into. But it's an offense that you can almost guarantee puts up 38 points. You can almost yeah. guarantee it. 38 points is almost a gimme for that team, at least 34, especially on their own field, especially in Arrowhead. So, I don't know. I, I, I see the Titans not really being able to put up more than 28 points. I think that would be a, a stretch for them in this game. So, I predict the Chiefs, if I had to put a finger on it right now, I'd say 38-27. I'll give it to the Chiefs right now. I like in, that. in the NFC Championship game, I, I wanna, I wanna give it, I wanna give the Packers a lot of credit, but and I picked the Seahawks to make it to the Super Bowl because I truly believe that they would get San Fran again, and I think they have a way better team makeup to beat San Fran than Green Bay, and you can tell based on the regular season. All I had to do was look up regular season, and all I saw was Seattle was so close, Green Bay got beat thirty-eight to seven. Right. That's all I need to see. Aaron Rodgers clearly, clearly is not the same quarterback on the road that he is at a snowy Lambeau. And I think we see that. Um, I truthfully think this game is obviously going to be closer than a 38-7, to but I don't see it being much closer than a two-score game. So for me, I'll say San Fran 31, Packers 17. Okay, Super Bowl. Fast fire. Ugh. Who's your pick? So Chiefs, Niners, oh my goodness, that's a great game. It's literally an offense versus defense game for me. I have to be an intelligent, quote-unquote, analyst and give it to the defense. I have to. So as of right now, i got to say, I'm going to stick with my NFC because that's where my Panthers are. And I'm going to say the 49ers win. You're giving the scores too, so you're getting close. You're getting a specific. I'm saying, yeah, I'm trying to be specific. <laughs> I, I, I don't want any caveats in my predictions. I'm not Skip or any of these types of guys. So I'll say Niners 27-24. I like it. I'm gonna say, to me, it's hard because watching, of course, the Titans game. 
against the Patriots, you're like, there's no way this happens. We even yeah. said it. The narrative of the Titans beating a Tom Brady, Bill Belichick-led Patriots team is blasphemy. But they did it. They went on the road in Gillette and defeated one of the best quarterbacks we're ever going to see play. Then they turn the script next week and do the same thing to Lamar Jackson, who we all know is going to be the MVP of the NFL. But now this week, though, part of me is thinking, why wouldn't you pick the Chiefs? Or why wouldn't you pick the Titans after what they've done? But I have to agree with you. I really have to agree with you. you Patrick Mahomes is not going to be stopped. There's never that's like saying like I'm gonna stop LeBron James. You never stop a guy like that. I can't. It, first of all, I want to be proud of you. I cannot believe you did not just mention Giannis. Okay, well <laughs> I can't believe you did not just Giannis. Giannis, to Giannis needs to Giannis needs to build his credibility first before yes, I yes yes. yes okay, yes. I'll give you yeah. But with with Patrick Mahomes, you're not gonna stop. Him. I'm sorry, you're not. So I, I I say Chiefs. The other game, part of me's torn. I don't that's know what it is. One. I really love Aaron Jones too. Yes, he's been a back that. Rodgers really has never had like up. a quality, quality back. I mean, he had Eddie Lacy, but Eddie Lacy then ended up gaining 80 pounds probably and then dropped off the face of the earth. But I'm going to have to say San Fran as well. And in the Super Bowl, San, man, that's going to be such a good game if that happens. Kansas wait. City, San Fran. Wait. I'm going to go against you, Danny. I'm going to say Pat Mahomes takes the torch as the next best quarterback in the NFL if he hasn't already gotten it yet because yes. he's going to have that over Lamar, a nice big ring on his finger. I'm going to say Chiefs, and I'm going to say it's going to be maybe a 10-point game. Chiefs pull away at the end. So, I like that. Transitioning to the younger football players of LSU and Clemson, we saw what I thought in the beginning was going to be a Clemson statement. They were up 17-7 early, and I'm thinking, man, don't tell me this is going to happen to Joe Burrow and the Tigers. <laughs> Short answer, it didn't. LSU ended up winning 42-25. I'm looking at the stats right now. Trevor Lawrence had a really underwhelming game. 18 of 37, 234, no touchdowns, no picks, had a rushing touchdown with 49 yards on the ground. Then you look at the man, Joe Burrow. 31 of 49, 463, five touchdowns, QBR of 85. And another guy, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, had 16 carries for 110 yards that nobody's probably even going to talk about. Jamar Chase then followed it up with an amazing nine reception, 221 through the air, two touchdowns. And I also saw a tweet the other day, and it really made me sit there and just think back to when I would create players in NCAA 14 and turn the sliders down and just go crazy. Joe Burrow, listen to this, Danny. Senior year, national champ, Heisman winner, first QB with 60 pass touchdowns, most touchdowns responsible for in a season with 65, 5,671 yards, which is an SEC record, and most touchdowns responsible for in the BCS slash college football playoff title game, six. And he's likely going to go to Cincy with the number one pick. I can't, I can't see anybody ever having a season like Joe Burrow. People are comparing him to Cam Newton's uh, Heisman season when he was with Auburn and they ended up beating Oregon. And they're saying, "Oh, Cam played with a bunch of scrubs," and "Oh, you know, Cam Newton by a long shot." No, I only say Joe Burrow because of the jump he made from junior to senior year, and he just took the world by storm. And it seemed like the whole year I'm sitting there going, "Ah, oh, he's not that good." There's no way. And then when they play Georgia, yes. Oklahoma, uh-huh. And then Clemson, easy. No, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I do want to shout myself out a oh, little bit shout before. Out. Because if you did listen to the last episode and you listened to my prediction when you said, Danny, I'm straight up asking you, can they keep it within two scores? Not only did I say no, but I said LSU would put up 42 to 48 points. 
And they put up exactly 42 points and won by just outside of two scores. Let the record show my score prediction was 41-32. And I was looking good for a little bit. Yes, you're also very close. We picked this this exactly right. It was a foolproof pick. Let's be fair. And I think so. And yeah. I think a lot of Clemson fans are going to hate me for saying this, but I think they were falling in love with the Trevor Lawrence that they saw last year. And like I said in the last podcast, that LSU team was not that Alabama team. Look at the weapons. Jamar Chase, most touchdowns in college football. Jefferson, beast. Thad Moss, beast. You leave it to me. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, okay beast. Place. What? Well, just assume. You know what? I mean, it's just one of those things. But you have to also think about, you know, Joe Burrow. And you listed all those incredible stats. Super impressive. But two stats, you left out another one. He was leading the NCAA most of the year with best completion percentage of all time. Ended up with second best, apparently. Dropped right below. Not to mention, he beat seven top ten teams in one season. This is unheard of stats. It's Shannon Sharp called it the best college football season ever. And it's hard to disagree. I, I just think that Clemson team did not have the same weapons. As you mentioned before, they did not have the same D-line. They were not getting nearly enough pressure on Burrow, and that's what you needed to do. You needed to have some big boys up there pressuring him. And if you saw some of the throws he made in that game, both touchdowns to Chase, the touchdown to Moss, uh, I think it was Thaddeus Moss. Moss yeah. Thaddeus Moss. I mean, these are throws, threading the needle, throwing it up. And, yeah, he's got some of the best wide receivers and some of the best weapons in college football. But you can't not pay attention to the throw. You can't not pay attention to the quality of the throw. And he just consistently beat Clemson with his arm by itself. And, it and, was, and like you said, you start the game and you're like, man, Clemson does look good. Maybe this is going to happen again. And then they completely slowed down. Like you said, Trevor Lawrence, just lackluster game. I, I, I want to say I tried to, to tell you this last time when you were telling me how big of a game he had against Ohio State, but that game was so much more impressive. That resilience that he showed Man. in that game. Let's talk about the Ohio State game very quickly. That was one of the more impressive performances I've seen in a long time. And let's be fair, Trevor Lawrence didn't have a bad year. No, But the game not. that mattered most, and he even said it. That's why I'm a huge fan of him. He said it in his post-game presser, it wasn't my day. I didn't play good enough to win the game. And he, it's not like he's one of the guys that beats around the bush. He took it to heart. And I also think Dabo Sweeney's a class act. You know, to be fair, he was complaining a little bit this this year about, oh, why are they keeping us out? Why are they keeping us out? Well, Clemson, you do not play anybody to the caliber of teams that LSU has played. I mean, LSU beat seven top ten teams this year. Exactly. And you look, look at Clemson. Who was the biggest team they played? Virginia? Before Ohio State? Yeah. I mean, and Ohio State, right. I went very, very strictly on the air and said they did not deserve to win that game. So it's hard for me to even give them credit for that game. Right. I think you got to give the refs a little bit more credit for that game. <laughs> and I said from the start, I don't think they belonged in that game. And I think Joe Burrow just showed that nobody belonged on the field with him this year. Shout out to him. What a year. And I thought something that I, you know, I saw scrolling through social media today is that Nick Wright called him Andy Dalton. That's Similar to Andy Dalton. He's great at nothing, good at everything. But if you look at the season Joe Burrow just had, and then you go look through Andy Dalton's college season stats at TCU. Yeah, that's I mean, I don't even, even understand where he's coming from. Andy Dalton didn't have one season where he threw for half as many yards or half as many touchdowns. Not even half. How can you even compare? I Maybe in the pros, but let's be honest. If you put Joe Burrow on that Cincinnati team, which I'm going to boldly predict he's going to be on that team next year, <laughs> I don't see Not him... Many. Possible, possibly being worse than what Andy Dalton has done the last couple of years. Andy Dalton hasn't had that great of a season since maybe 2015, 2014, 2015. Yeah. I can't wait to see what he can do. If A.J. Green comes back and he's playing, they've got some weapons on that team. 
Boyd, I think Tyler Boyd is on that team. Joe Mixon too. Joe Mixon. There's yeah. there's some guys there that he can work around. So let's see. Uh, Never know. We'll see. But yeah, it was a good it was a good championship game. We both basically predicted it to a T. Clemson just didn't have enough. LSU yep. had too much. And Coach Orgeron walked away with his first title. Go I'm Tigers. sure there may be oh, one more to come. I love Four Coach more. O. God, I love Coach O. The way that he would, I know, don't hate on me for the impression, but when they'd ask him, Coach O, what does this mean? Oh, it's uh, it's great for the state of Louisiana. <laughs> like, man, can there be a better coach? It's true. You can tell he's so into love the coach culture. O. He's yeah. into the team. And he, and he loves that. Yeah, but he also talks that talk, too. Um, yeah, he That does. locker room stuff. He does. After the Alabama win, he talks, and his team follows suit. I don't know if you saw the article on ESPN about some of the stories about Coach O, where, like, former players, like, mm-hmm. current players tell the stories. There was one. I'm going to get into it really quick because I want to hit our third point. Um, it was a story where I think he was still the D-line coach at LSU, and he, like, works with the D-linemen, like, really, you know, he's into it. He's on the field doing drills with them. I think it was Rashard Lawrence, number mm-hmm. 90, the big man in the yep. middle. And he said, he's like, yeah, Coach O at one point uh, made a move on someone. And this guy, like, literally reared back and punched him, like, in the nose. And Coach O, like, you know, flung to the left and blood's pouring out his nose. And he literally went, like, and just wiped it off and goes, all right, let's go. And he kept going. And he's like, yeah, Coach O can take a lick and play football. So, wow, one of the best stories. Go look it up on ESPN if you guys get a chance. So good. But, yeah, LSU took the world by storm. Now there's the debate, which we can get into another time. Are they the best college football team ever? Ooh. Big one. Now you could compare them to Clemson last year. We could do that all night. But third point, something that Danny and I can't really say much about, but we really could just laugh. This happened on January 9th. Kendrick Perkins responded to a tweet, I believe it was by NBA 2K, about the Thunder's like updated all-time team. And he said... Basically, that Russell Westbrook, we're going to sum it up. Russell Westbrook is the best player to ever put on a Thunder jersey. Whew. And, uh, man, I think people know that that's false, ability-wise. And Kendrick tweeted, I'm going to read it right now. This guy, Mark Dema- uh I don't even know how to say his last name, Damico. He said, uh, he responded to Perk. Perk said, hey, Kevin left the door open and Russ walked right in. And wh- blah, blah, blah. They talked about it. And then K- Kendrick Perkins said, KD lost in the second round without Russ when I was there. So what's that mean? And KD, without even being mentioned, responds and says, Yeah, and our starting center at Kendrick Perkins averaged a whopping 2-3 and three during that season. You played hard though, champ. LOL. And then he said, Boy, stop. You did the weakest move in NBA history. Up on a team 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals and then go join them the following season. Heart of a champion right there. And then they went into it more and more and more. And then KD said, Week is starting at center, playing real minutes with no production. Should have worked on your skills as much as I did. And Perk, I think, got the last laugh when he said, This is crazy. This is what people dream, like people like me dream about athletes going at in real, like text in real time. Perk said, That's fine. You worked that hard and still had to go join a 73 and 9 team. Truth be told, you don't even feel like a real champ. You probably have a hard time sleeping at night, huh? Knowing that you took the coward way out. Oh my gosh. I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw like, you know, tweets you might like, and I saw one of Kendrick Perkins' replies and I saw Katie Trey Five mentioned. I'm like, no way. That was amazing, Danny. That was probably the best way to start 2020 when it came to Twitter beef. Oh my god. First off. I have so, so many problems with this back and forth <laughs> when it comes to Kendrick Perkins. I have so... Number one, 
to even think that to even like for the thought to cross your mind that Russell Westbrook is a better Thunder player all time than KD is absolute insanity. I'm sorry. Like you may think because he stayed and put on the jersey a couple more times and played by himself and got some very respectable six seeds and had a, averaged a triple-double. At the end of the day, that should almost play against Russell. He really just stayed there because he wanted to pad his own stats, get an MVP, and average a triple-double. He stayed along, and then what did he do? He left to go join the best offensive player. But but Perk never brought that up. KD didn't bring that up. I feel like it's it's a similar thing. People are always going to have this for KD, and rightfully so. This is going to be that one bullet in the chamber that they're always ready to pull out if KD ever talks. And we've all seen since KD went to Golden State, he's been a little more sensitive in the media. He's taking things a little harsher. And that makes sense. People are going at him personally, calling him a coward, calling him much worse. And, you know, he, he just wants to understand. And he said multiple times in multiple interviews, and I take him at his word, he just wanted to go somewhere and have fun. And I don't think, and I've said many times, I don't think it's fun to play with Russell Westbrook. No. I don't think it's fun to play with James Harden either. And here they are playing together and somewhat meshing in their very weird styles of play. But, man, for, for Kendrick Perkins I mean, to go at KD like this was just so, so hilarious. And I compared it a little bit to what KG said about Braun a couple weeks ago. We broke LeBron. It's like, listen, KG, like, I get it. Maybe you can argue that. Maybe. But where is that going to get you? Yeah. Where, what What's going to happen to Kendrick Perkins if, if what? Stephen A. Smith comes on and agrees with him? Is somebody going to give Kendrick Perkins a real job? Not that little job he does on that ESPN show where he pops in every now and again, says nonsense, creates memes. It's like nothing's really going to happen. He just wants to keep his name out there and stay relevant. And he can because he has a connection to him. I do think, like you said, to say... You probably struggle to sleep at night. That is coward's oh way out. That is a shot to the heart. And coward's way out, though. I don't disagree. I'll I don't disagree. I don't. Yeah. I don't disagree. And I'm a Golden State guy. Yeah. I do also agree with you know things he said in interviews talking about. I wanted to go play for fun. I wanted to go play with a team who looks like they enjoy it. I think that's 100 percent true too. But I mean, let's be real. He also knew that the chances of winning against that team were very, very, very slim, slim. to none. Very yeah. slim. Yeah. And you know he, he made that move, and that's going to live with him. But that was. I love Some it. of the most entertaining stuff I've seen on Twitter. And I love that this is happening. I love that you have KG and Braun going at it. I love hey. that you have Perkin and KD going at it. What That's I do why find funny social is, media is here. And what I do find funny is that it's always a player who's no longer playing. Yeah, that is true. I would love to see somebody go at Braun or KD the way, uh, what's his name, just went at uh, Jimmy Butler. Yes, from uh, TJ, Warren. TJ Warren. That's what Jimmy I want Butler's to see. Jimmy Butler's comments were, oh my. That's what I want to see. I love that. I know this is what we did not plan to talk about this, but that is the type of stuff that the NBA is made for. Joel Embiid talking that talk. Yeah. Jimmy Butler saying this guy's trash. His coach should never put him on me. Tagging him on Instagram. Let's see what you... This is what sports needs. You will never hear another word come out of my mouth. Sports needs this type of drama, this type of talk. And I think it's great for the sport. I think it brings you know more notoriety off the court, which is good for, for everybody involved. But, yeah, that was uh, definitely one of the highlights of Twitter this past week. That's for sure. So Perkins also responded on the jump and said, and I like that he clarified it, he said, clearly I'm not saying that Russell Westbrook is a better player than KD. I'm saying that when you talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, Russell Westbrook is Mr. Thunder. And he said, my whole point, my whole argument wasn't to shoot a slug at KD. My whole argument was to rightfully praise Russell Westbrook for what he deserves. Then he went on to say, my point, why do you even care, Perkins said. First of all, you left that organization for dead. You thought when you left that organization that it would go to nothing. And Russell Westbrook kept that organization afloat. He never missed the playoffs. He always kept them in the middle of the hunt. 
He did what he was supposed to do. He won the MVP. He did all types of things. I like that because I love Russell Westbrook. Absolutely. And that is true. That is facts. And that's where we're going to end it with the talk about Kendrick Perkins and KD. I Absolutely. hope that there's a second. I hope that there's a, you know, a remake of this soon. Absolutely. Some beef. I love it. Twitter beef is the best. Let's quickly move on to our fourth point. Danny's going to take the reins on this one because I am not nearly as knowledgeable as he is when it comes to UFC. But I do know that Conor McGregor is making his return, who is a guy that Danny loves. I know a guy that is a character. I mean, I the, the extent of my knowledge is that he fought Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. He did fairly well, ended up losing that match, went into, what, was it his retirement, if you will? Basically, yes. And then he's now coming back. Danny, floor is yours, my man. Yes, so I have a little bit to say about this fight. I know there are multiple people who have hit me up saying they want me to talk about UFC and MMA and these types of things, so I wanted to come on and give a little bit of a, of a breakdown of this fight and give my little to no experience sense that you know shouldn't mean much to many, but for, for me, I, I know what I know, and, and I want to give you guys a little bit of analysis on the fight. So what I think is the basic topic coming in to this fight is that a lot of people are saying the same thing, and that's cowboy... By Connor giving him 170 pounds as the limit instead of 155 pounds, which they would typically take, gives Cowboy the advantage in strength and in size, and therefore allows him to take more advantage of Connor if the fight goes to the ground. I think what people very much forget is that Cowboy is not somebody who's at first glance looking to take you down. And he has said in interviews this week he wants to test Connor's striking. I think that absolutely bodes terribly for his chances in this fight because I truly believe Connor is one of the more creative if not one of the best strikers in the UFC here's what I think people are missing I think a lot of people are saying if Cowboy gets Connor to the ground this fight is as good as over I heard people who barely know anything about the UFC Ari my girlfriend has told me I think that because she's heard the stories that's what everybody is saying the casuals to the experts are saying if he gets into the ground it's over however I don't think they've been looking at the stats because Connor in 2016 fought Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight championship and everybody was saying the exact same thing. Connor's not on his level of grappling. If Eddie gets him to the ground, it's over. Eddie had the exact same takedown percentage, success percentage, that Cowboy Cerrone does. The man he's fighting this weekend, the exact same. And Eddie went for takedowns two to three times as much per 15 minutes. So Eddie is a much more aggressive fighter and he could not get Connor in a bad situation once in that fight. He tried to stay on the outside. Connor kept the pressure. He kept kicks to the body to keep him off. Granted, Eddie Alvarez was five foot nine. Cowboy is six foot one. So it is going to be a little bit different, and the range is going to be a little bit different. But I don't see the outcome being much different. I think if Cowboy tries to shoot for a takedown and get Connor to the ground, it might tire him out more than everybody thinks it's going to tire out Connor. And for people, these people who consistently say Connor has cardio issues. Connor has issues with guys who want to grapple. He just fought Khabib Nurmagomedov for the championship last year, or 2018, the end of 2018. And that he was got, two years ago. Two years ago. He got taken down less in that fight by not very arguably the best grappler in the sport. He got taken down less in that fight than every other one of Khabib's last four fights outside of him in his last five. He got taken down the least. So to say that he can't, that has no takedown defense, he has no cardio, Ally Quinta, who a lot of people won't know, but that's the fight that he had in Brooklyn to win the championship, he is known as a wrestler. He's a wrestling background, All-American. He got taken down six times. 
Connor got taken down three. His last fight, Dustin Poirier, who people were talking about being one of the best lightweights ever, got taken down seven out of eight attempts. Seven times out of eight attempts. Connor got taken down three times out of seven attempts. To say that he doesn't have those skills is crazy. I think it's very underrated, and I think that's going to be a big factor in this fight. I predict in this fight, it ends up being more of a standing battle. I don't think this fight goes to the point where Connor's cardio is going to need to show, although I do think it is there. And I do see Connor being much too creative. Cowboy always struggles with lefties. I see Connor stepping in, being creative. I heard his coach in an interview today say it is the most focused and creative we've seen Connor. I do predict Connor with a second round knockout. Okay. With a punch. I don't think much of Cowboy's ideas, strategies are successful. I see Connor being relatively dominant in this fight as he was in that Alvarez fight to become the double champ. But more importantly, as I go through this, that is my prediction. But I want to spotlight one thing that I think a lot of people can take outside of UFC, outside of sports. I listened to John Cavanaugh today do an interview with Ariel Helwani, who is the premier ESPN MMA writer. And he said the difference between Connor in the last fight against Khabib with all the drama that was involved is he was goal-oriented. He wanted to beat Khabib. He wanted to embarrass him. He wanted to knock him out. It was all about goals. The Connor before that and the Connor now is systems-oriented. And I thought that was incredibly insightful from a coach with a lot of experience with obviously a high-level fighter. And what he meant was he's no longer aiming for certain goals. He's aiming to have the systems down, get his nutrition down, the training methods down, learn these different skills, whether it be going with his old school boxing coach who he's with again, learning new grappling, jiu-jitsu with Dylan Danis, all these types of things. He's just going through the system. He's just executing what he wants out of the training camp, and he does not care about the opponent, and I think that is the best situation. It's something I try and model myself after. Never think about the opponent. It is only about the process, and I think that is why you will see 2020 being the year of Conor McGregor, just like 2018, 17, 16, and 15 all were, and I think it will be started on Saturday night. I see Conor with a second-round KO. I feel so much smarter about UFC now, (laughs) and it wouldn't have been... It wouldn't have been... Anybody but you, Danny. Thank you for that insight. So you heard it here, folks. Conor McGregor will get a win over Cowboy. That's all I know. That's that's to the, that's the extent of my knowledge. You know that we can never end a podcast without talking about shoes. Real quickly, I actually just bought a pair of the Cortez OGs, the Forrest Gump colorways, and I just want to say that I love them. I have a bigger foot, maybe a little bit more wide, but it still feels really good. They look really well. I actually wore them on Saturday with my suit, red tie, really nice vibes. Yes, sir. Anyways, we're going to get into this. I have five shoes listed. Danny does not know what they are. We're going to do drip or skip. Drip to all you people out there that don't know what that means, meaning that you would wear it, you'd rock it with an outfit. Skip, you know, it's literally in the word. You skip it. No thank you. First off. And this is coming, just so you guys all know, from the drippiest sideline reporter analyst in the game with the drippiest college athlete in the game. So if you hear us say drip, run out to your local store, buy it, because I'm telling you, you are going to be the coolest person around. So like take it. what we say serious because if there's something we know about, it may not be all sports, but it sure as hell is kicks. Danny, so you, you really just hyped me up. So now I can't I can't falter anything that I wear now the rest of my <laughs> career. So thank you for that. That's right. what I wanted. First one, I know what you're going to say, but I just I love these shoes. So I'm going to already go ahead and say drip. The Dior Jordan 1 Lowe's. Drip or skip? Oh, pfft. 
I mean, the, the, I hope this isn't all the, all of the ones that you're suggesting in this style because this is the easiest drip oh in goodness. the world. The only reason I would skip is the price tag. Oh, well, yeah. The retail price tag of the high was two bands. Are we going to factor in the price tag for... Uh, have to a little bit. Okay. But when you're coming to just style... 100% drip. Those are so clean. They're the colors, beautiful. the whites, the gray. I will say this again. The Air Dior wings on the back. I mean, the Jordan 1 Low, I think it was KD this week said that is the best yeah, silhouette ever. And I can't disagree with them. I as have you, two pairs. And as you very, people know, yeah. I just bought my first pair with the Travis Scott Lows. I cannot disagree that they may be the best shoe I've ever worn. So 100% Dior Lows is an absolute drip. Okay, next. Yeezy 700s, the all black ones that I mentioned, drip or skip? Ooh, uh, for me, I'm going to have to say skip, and here's why. I tried those shoes on multiple times. They don't fit me that great. I have a relatively narrow shoe. Those are more of a wide base shoe. That dad vibe, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I can't grow facial hair or I dress like a youngin' or something, but I think that is 100%. Your steez, I would never step in the way of that steez, so for me... I have to say skip, even though I'm, I mean, just heartbroken to say skip to any Kanye shoe. Because yes. I would even say drip to the Kanye shark flip-flop shoe made out of absolute disgust. I would still say skip, or I would say drip to I kinda, that shoe. Let's be so, honest, I kind of want to buy a pair of those. That's what I'm saying. I've they kind of look like what inmates would wear in prison. They now. look ridiculous, but it looks like I'm living in 2040. And right. that's what we're trying to do. We're Danny, in the we might have to. We might have to set aside a time in the future where we record a pod when we're both wearing those on 100%. the beach. Nice Ooh. vibes. Now we're talking. Now we're yes, talking. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry, I do I say, uh, for me, right about now, I'm Easy saying skip. Skips. I am leaving that to you. I'm going to say drip only because I saw the black colorways come up. I have the Bleacher Report kicks notifications on my phone. And the day that I saw them, and I know we talked about the shoes that I really want to at least try and get. God knows that the 700s are way above my price range. But especially just because, like you said, I love all the Kanye shoes. I'm a big fan of the Yeezy design in general. But... For me, I would say drip just because I love the black colorway, and I see tons of pictures. Shout out to Good Time Charlotte. They always have pairs available, but not in my price range. So in this case, I will say drip. We're going to stay with Yeezy. Now the Yeezy 500s. I'm going to go ahead and say skip because I hate, I hate how clunky they look on the bottom. They look like, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like a shoe that is like still being worked on. But it's not done, and Kanye just said, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and just put this out and know that people are going to buy it. To me, that's the thing. He's in a position where he knows that whatever he puts out, there's going to be a mass of people that are even going to be like, oh, this shoe's ugly, but it says easier. It says Kanye, and they're going to buy it. Dripper skip, easy 500s. For me, I'm so on the edge with these. I've, I've almost always been skip on the 700s, like you men mentioned, except for the Wave Runner. I do love the Wave Runner. I still want to get a pair of those. Shout out to, I think, is it Jalen or Juice who has a pair of the Wave Runners? One, I think might be Jalen. He rocks those yeah. hard, man. Those, those are 750s. Aren't they? No, 700s. Wave Runners are 700s. Okay, let me know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, man, Jalen rocks those shoes. They're crazy. I love them. Um, but with the 500s, I don't know, man. I'm with you. They look like this spongy, weird material with, like, the Michelin Man tire traction on the bottom. But they're just weird enough that I might be able to pull them off. I'd say skip on every colorway except maybe the icy blue ones. I think they're called the salt. Um, but just about all of those 
I'm going to have to say skip. Those, it's not my style. One person I w- who, I, who I would absolutely suggest these for is my boy, Matt Jones. He walks around rocking Technos, the old school Pete Carroll style dad shoe. Um, so he could pull these off for sure. That's his steez. Once again, I don't like stealing my boy's steez. But unless you got me a pair of the, the salts, yep. I think I'm out on those. Skip. I'm going to have to say skip. I like it. All right. Next is a shoe that I actually almost bought. And I'm kind of glad I didn't, but I'm kind of mad that I didn't. The Nike Off-White Waffle Racers. Mm. Released recently by Virgil Abloh. I love Virgil Abloh. I love all the off-white things just because I love the details. I'm a big detail guy. And the off-white, the Beaverton, Oregon address, the laces, the quotation marks around all the stuff. I love that. But the one thing that I was torn on, I had a big selection of Nike gift cards. Shout out to my mom. I love you, mom, so much. Thank you for the (laughs) gift card. But... I was looking and I'm like, all right, I have $100 to spend in Nike money. What should I do? And the off-white waffle racers are $150 on the Nike sneakers. And I'm like, oh my gosh. This is literally the devil and the angel on my shoulder. The devil being my mom saying, Donnie, if you buy a pair of shoes with spikes, I might have to give you a slap in the face. (laughs) And then the angel on my shoulder saying, Donnie, if you wore these, no one else is going to have them around you and you're going to look so cool. Steez. And I don't want to gas myself up, but I think that they would look amazing. And I even watched a video. I even did prep, Danny. You should be proud of me. I, I watched a video on the actual on feet and how they look. And when the, the spikes look like they're tough and like you actually wear them on a track, they're bouncy a little bit. Like they they're go cushiony. down. They're cushiony. Yes. yes. Bouncy sounds stupid. But I was very torn. I love the light blue and the neon green stripe. I was tempted to get like the white ones, kind of like the same off, not the off. Kind of like the same colorway of the Sakai's that you almost bought. Mm-hmm. Pretty much is neutral and you could wear with anything. Yes. I also like the black with the pink on the bottom. For me, I'd say drip. If I get any Nike gift cards in the future, I'm telling you now and you guys hear it, heard it here, I'm buying a pair. Drip or skip? I am such an off-white fan. I mean, I, I although on one of our podcasts, I did go after Virgil a little bit for saying that sneakers and streetwear are going to die this year. I think he's absolutely insane. I will not back off those comments, but... For those that don't know, I was looking at the Off-White Vapor Street a couple yeah, of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, and it's a very similar idea with the extra strings going across and the mesh plastic wrap surrounding the shoe. It looks like a saran wrap art project or something. I mean, but there's something about that Off-White creativity, and, and they just completely stand out. I'm telling the you. hang tag, I, I don't tend to rock the hang tag on my shoes, i got to be honest, but there's just something about that off-white swag, and I think the colorways are great on these. I think that the white and that creamy tan color looks so good. I think the blue with a little bit of neon green looks great, and I think the black and pink is one of my favorite color combinations. So, truthfully, I think both of those shoes were a hit. Fortunately for you know guys like us, the prices on those are not exponentially high like They're you really would see not. The off-white Air Forces or Air Maxes, which are up in the three and four di- or four-digit range, five-digit range for some, um, I would have to agree with you. I'd say those are an absolute drip, especially that white and cream colorway. I know you've been looking at those; those are absolutely fire. I might have to get the the Vapor Streets just to copy you. And uh, that's a, there's another photo shoot idea, but I would absolutely, absolutely, absolutely say those are a drip. All right. Lastly, I was gonna joke with you. <laughs> And say the Embiid ones because those are going <laughs> to drop soon. But I'm not going to do that to you Please because don't. that's just not even funny. Please you can don't. never, ever drip those kind of shoes. I'm going to end it with a shoe that I would say drip. The off-white Dunk Lows. And specifically the pine green. I don't know what it is, but the green with the white and the orange laces, Danny. And the pictures I'm going to show you just right now. Now that listeners can hear us. Beautiful. beautiful. And it, but 
I would say drip. But in the case of factoring the price range, it's an easy skip for me. I would never, I hope, well, until I have, God willing, the money to do it. Like if I was, if I was right now a college student and someone said, here, here's a pair of size 14, which is hard to come by, off-white dunk lows for $400. I would laugh in your face. The highest I will pay for shoes, I say it, the highest I have paid is 140 Right. I wish I could say the same. Yeah, I was going to say, you've made some uh, high purchases. But I'm going to say skip just for the fact of I could never buy these and not like be sweating and looking at my wallet and looking at my bank account without being like, oh my God, what did I just do? Skip for me, but price wasn't an option. Drip, easy. It's funny. For me, that price is an option because I'm a psycho, psycho bred sneakerhead, but... Wow, that kind of rolls off the tongue, psycho bread sneakerhead. Oh. There's a t-shirt. Don't steal it. Copyright. Um, but Copyright. I, kicking it I down have to skip your colorway. Okay. I skip the green. One color that I absolutely love that I have yet to find too many shoes that I really think go with my style is the red pair. Yeah. I love the red pair. Man, I'm looking for red shoes whenever I go out. I want a pair of all red shoes or black and red shoes. I love it. And I do like those too, man. Once again, another Virgil hit. Those extra laces going across. I love those red ones. I love those red ones. I I, I think they're. I think they have some swag. Um, but yeah, I, I would have to say drip for those because I I, I love the red. But it, like you said, when you add a four or five hundred dollar price tag on some oh, dunks, what are you doing? That's a tough pill to swallow. But that drives me into the one dripper skip that I just had off the top of my head for you. It leads me in perfectly. Okay. And that Last is one. the Travis Scott SB Dunk that finally some <sighs> official images came out on. Yeah, I saw your, and your story post. Ab- so, before I get your answer, I absolutely am so head over heels in love with these shoes for so many different reasons. The material, if anybody knows me, they know I'm a sucker for a good material. I, I love a good material. And these shoes are just filled with them. That bandana material, oh, it's so good. Even the clothy laces that I know you hate. But all the plaids and the blacks and the creamy tans. I mean, it's everything I'm in love with with the shoe. I'm absolutely in love with the dunks that I have. I have two pairs. Um, I'm so, 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 so drip on these. I'm afraid of what the price tag is going to be. I estimate oh, top resale being somewhere along the lines of 500 I don't see them being much more than that because the retail is rumored to be 100 So I'm going to be sleeping, camping, doing whatever I can to pick up as many. And I will not flip these shoes. These will be on my feet the day I buy them. So for me, they're absolute drip, but I want to get your opinion. I would say drip, and I'm going to keep it short just for time purposes. But I would say drip because I, first off, hated, hated the 270 Reacts that he yep. released. I hate that colorway, the mustard yellow on the Air Max part. No, no. Sorry. But he redeemed himself, though, because those are beautiful. But like you did mention, I would definitely switch them out switch out the laces for a thinner pair, kind of similar to what you have right now on your feet, maybe a little bit thinner. When you talk about the laces on those shoes, they look way too just old and stringy, and I don't really like that look as well. But if I had a clean pair of laces, white specifically, or I could even match it with the navy blue. Yes. Who knows? But in that case, yeah. And I will be with you probably if we're talking about getting those shoes because I have had bad luck with the sneakers app, just like everyone in America. So hopefully when those drop, whenever they do, we can get our hands on them and that would be fantastic. That's all we have for you guys today. Episode five of Kicking It. I want to thank you again so much for listening to us. If you like what you hear, go give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Share with your friends. We've got our Instagram profile still going as well at Kicking It DBDC. 
actually have a giveaway going on right now. We said that we're going to release the winners on Wednesday, January 15th. Might bump it back a couple days to give you guys a chance to get on it. But in that case, wanted to say thank you again for kicking it with Breezy and Don C. We are out. Love you guys.